Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's Chris, aka SSJ Blackrot, here with another episode, episode 48 of Should I Play That? What's going on, everybody? Hope you had a good week, and we're here to talk about some video games. We've got a lot of news this week, um, some interesting news, some heartbreaking news, but, well, I don't know, I feel like there's, there's one bit of news I think we're going to start with that's like the most heartbreaking for me, but we'll get into <laughs> that soon. Uh, Rod, we got Rod in the building. What's going on, Rod? How you doing? Man, so, so good. We are inching ever closer to episode 50, which still feels like a dream to me, and as we do that, I feel like you know, every time we have a guest on, I'm like, you know, yeah, we have a special guest, but we really mean it this time. Like, really, really mean it. Like, we have a really special guest today. I'm I'm super hyped for that. Yep. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest. You could catch him on Twitch streaming, I feel like, what's like almost every night. Uh, we got Data Dave in the building. Yo, Dave, hey. what's going on, man? What's going on? How you doing this evening? Pretty or good. Morning. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you're able to jump on this week. Uh, we're going to talk about streamers and like just streaming in general towards the end of the episode. So we, you know, wanted to have someone that, you know, is on Twitch, you know, you're a Twitch ambassador and everything. So we wanted to get your feedback and like why, how you feel about just the scene in general. Oh man, we, that's a whole topic, man. I'm actually down to talk about it. You, sweet, you know, sweet. Oh, yeah. But, uh, like how's, how's everything going, man? What's, uh, you know, I guess you can sort of introduce yourself to the people. All right. Well, catchphrase, of course, is day to day with day to Dave. I got to say it's slower because most people are, are you saying day to Dave with day to Dave? Like, they'll make. So I had to clarify that. But honestly, <laughs> like, stream has been cool. Yes, I do stream every day. Uh, if you want to know what games I'm playing, if I can go into that. Um, I'm primarily known through Pokemon, but I've been branching out recently and just doing random stuff. Like, I beat Outlast. I hate horror movies, but. That that was an experiment experience in itself, and just hopping around, you know, going to story games. Nice, nice. Oh, yeah. All right. So speaking about games, that's how we like starting off the show. We like starting off with a segment called "What You've Been Playing," and that's you know basically just just that, like what you've been playing recently. So, Dave, what you've been playing? What I've been playing? Uh, well, I gave the Pokemon one away, so that DLC hype. I've been on Smash Bros. pretty heavily. I'm big into fighting games. So, Smash, uh, trying to get back into Tekken. I think you need a PhD for Tekken, because there's, <laughs> like, uh, there's, there's literally too many moves. I'm like, people will do stuff I've never seen. Uh, so, fighting games. Uh, I think the next story game I might hit is Man of Madon and Horizon. Like, those are things I've been touching mm. on. Like, they've been telling me to finish it forever. And Astral Chain, of course, too. So, like, you know, I'm just kind of hopping around, seeing how I kind of feel from uh, from a growth perspective, seeing what games I can grow from. But also, I want to provide entertaining video games for both me and my community. So you got to make that balance, you know? Right, so right. That's, that's what I've been playing right now. I'm just kind of hopping around. So, I mean, all right. So I have the same problem of, and like, this isn't me streaming. This is just me as like, just a gamer, yeah. uh, just hopping around from like game to game. Like, you know, what, how do you do it? Like, if you're really sucked into, sucked into a game, like, do you just stick with that game and stream that? Or do you have to like find a way to split it up between everything? So it, it depends on what your goal is. Like, you mean like this is a gamer, like what to play or are you talking about like growth as a streamer or? Well, no, more or less, just as a gamer, like, if you have, like, a bunch of, like, if you have a big backlog, like, for example, like, I think right now I'm playing through uh, the new Dragon Ball game, I'm playing through, still playing through Call of Duty, um, I think I still have some games on my Switch that I'm still playing, so, 
it's, it's a lot of games. Like, what do you do to, you know, decide what you're going to stream, I guess? Well, for me, because, like, at the end of the day, like, everybody, at least everybody has different goals of streaming. Like, I want to grow. I do research which, game, which games I feel that I can grow from, and I test out and see how it goes. But mm-hmm. if it's a game I say I feel like I can't grow through, let's just say I don't play Fortnite, we're going to use Fortnite. Because, you know, growing on that's very difficult because there's so many streamers. It's like, well, that's just my off-stream game, you know, or if I make a YouTube video, that'll be for YouTube, you know. But for me, how I decide to stream, it's a mixture of what do I feel to be entertaining for both me and my community and what can be entertaining and potentially grow. So I just make that balance, you know what I mean? Some games I really love. Like, I love a whole bunch of PS2 games. But, like, it's like being realistic, like, will I grow from this? It's like, you know what, I'll just play on my own free time, you know what I mean? But since I do stream five hours plus every day, you know, that's really my game time of the day. So you just got to pick and choose depending on what your goals are. Okay. Well, that's how I pick. I'm so, actually I'm yeah. actually really interested in uh, the – you mentioned that you wanted to play Man of Medan. You just finished Outlast. So what kind of – and you don't like horror games. Oh, I hate horror games. My community makes fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> they make, well, what but, is it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so how this started is like fun fact about me. I don't watch. I think the only horror movie I watched was because of a girl, and we seen a Ouija board. Like you know, and I was jumping at every jump scare that, and I said, "Yeah, skip horror movies." Granted, this is probably only like six years ago. So you know, I just don't. I just don't watch that genre. Like I never experienced it, exposed it. I've watched my friend play until dawn. So like you know, I jumped at everything, was yelling. So it's just like I'm not used to horror games. So my community loves it to death because in Outlast, I jumped at literally every jump scare except, like, one that I called in the game. So, like, don't get me wrong. It's not that I hate them. It's like it's just, like, I'm not used to them, so, like, I'm always walking super anxious and all that jazz. But, like, I love watching the clips back to be like, I reacted to that. Um, It's a tangent, but the funniest thing to me, the funniest clip to me is that, like, this was the first jump scare of the game. I opened the door, something popped out, I jumped back. And I unplugged my controller, so I'm like, dang, okay, I'll fix this. So I reset the game, and I went to that same door. Would you believe that same door still got me? Like, it wasn't this drastic, but I was just like, oh. And I kept going. I was like, yo. So it's just funny stuff like that's entertaining to watch. Yeah, definitely. And and I was I was interested because, like, I, I, I'm always interested in what leads people to play the things they play and, and why that is. Um, and you kind of explained that so eloquently with, like, you know, hey, you're trying to strike a balance between, you know, the community and things that you may actually want to play as well. Um, something kind of adding on to that horror game element is it's interesting to me that uh, with game horror games specifically, they have such a great ability to really... Uh, drive directly into the heart of the player, like whereas other media is so like you know you're it's it's um it's kind of stationary, you know, with when you're watching a film or reading a book or things like that, it's like you're participating, but only so much. Whereas with a game, obviously, you have full control over all of that. So I think horror games are amplified that much more, and it's 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 a genre that it, I feel is much tougher to swallow in gaming than any other media. I agree completely with you on that, man. I was gonna say, I I feel like I don't know how the logistics will work, you know, you know, for you to stream it, but you should do Resident Evil Seven in VR. That's in oh VR. See, look, yeah, I, I'm gonna I heard the words. I heard the words Resident Evil Seven and nothing else. No, 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 that's too immersive. We ain't there yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, good. Yeah, that like I did that. I played all the way through uh, in VR, and oof. I don't know. It sort of turned into a horror movie for me because it really feels like you're in the game. Mm-hmm. 
but the way I am, like, I get really hype. So it turned from like a uh, horror movie into an action movie. So like beginning of the game, I was, you know, peeking around corners. I was, you know, like being really, really scary, like scared with like these uh, enemies and everything. But towards the end of the game, like, I'm running up to folks, like, you know, shooting them with a shotgun or pulling out my knife if I was really feeling myself. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was, it was pretty cool. Like, it's, I say if, if you're not going to stream it, at least try it out. Try it out at least once. That VR, I'm with you. 200%. That'd be too <laughs> real, man. Man, I can't deal with them on my screen. So, it's like, I can imagine them, like, all around, like, no, nah, I'm But I'll, I'll put that in the suggestion box. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, I do have one more question um, about your what you've been playing list. Um, I would actually like you to sort of talk about your experience with Pokemon Sword and Shield and what you think of the expansions. Oh, man, that's a whole topic. Okay, so I, I won't go too, too long on it, but in regards to Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, just a little tidbit about me. I've been streaming Pokemon since Pokemon Sun and Moon, and then I went and played all the older games. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I really streamed all most of all the games. So, Pokemon Sword and Shield in comparison to the other game, honestly, I dare say it's, people can tag me for it, one of the top three Pokemon games. There's a lot of stuff they changed and did right to make the game better. Quality mm-hmm. of life features, fun, mm-hmm. things. The only weakest part about Sword and Shield is the story. Like, it's like, you're just like, you're a kid and there's all these adults, which I'm glad they brought more adults to the series, but like, they're like, oh, this issue's going on. Yeah, we'll let him handle it. You know what I mean? And then the end of the game comes, they're like, oh snap, we actually might need you for the last hour of the game. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the kind of the story. No real antagonist. So, it's a very weak story. Um, gameplay, the wild area, like, I think, are you all familiar with the wild area in the game? Yeah. Yes. So, like, honestly, when I first streamed it and started playing it, I spent, like, three to four hours in the wild area just seeing what's around. Like, it took me, like, four to five hours just to get to the first gym. Because, like, I was just having that much fun. Like, that's a great thing that they could bring back the adventure aspect of Pokemon versus the linearity of most games. Like, okay, this gym, that gym, this gym, we can finish this in eight hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they did that amazing. Uh, for competitive battling, it's been the most welcoming it has ever been because it's that much easier to get competitive mind so you can compete. They made it easier. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like a lot of other things they added that I do appreciate. Now, mm-hmm. the most popular topic, I, I mean, it, do let me know if y'all want to chime in too. I could talk a while on this. <laughs> the most popular topic is like they only had about, I forgot the amount of Pokemon they have. We'll say two to 300 because I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So they cut out most of the Pokemon. I actually love that because if you look at every competitive scene of Pokemon, you got like Landers T, you got certain Pokemon that have been there for the past generations in that game. So now that you have a limited pool, different stuff can be used. That just makes me ecstatic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, to hop to DLC, I... I like the idea of DLC being added and them adding Pokemon. Like, a lot of people don't, but granted, I would have been upset if they were saying, hey, we're coming out Pokemon Ultra Sword, Ultra Shield. Like, no, like, give me something. Give me a spinoff and just give me DLC. And I'm content. Right. They yeah. added more Pokemon in there. Uh, what's cool about it, I don't know the details, but uh, Pokemon Worlds, I think, is in June. After you compete in, like, one of the world championships or whatever it is, then 200 new Pokemon come. So the game's going to change for the next competition. Because now you got a new meta. You got some Pokemon that might mesh. Some older Pokemon that get added back. Meshing with the new ones. That's 200 more. Then in December, after another tournament, 200 more added. So that changes. It's just going to keep changing the meta, which will make it very interesting from a competitive standpoint. Uh, new area, new story. I don't know the details of the story. I don't think it's going to be super in-depth. 
I know it's right. two wild areas, but like the fact that you're adding back favorites, changing the forms of what Articuno's Aptos and Moltres, which is kind of fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was dope. You can, you can do it. So like, it's a lot. But I mean, I mean, that's that's my tidbits. I I could talk for days on that. Yeah, I mean, it's well, that's that's really really cool to hear because I'm a casual Pokemon. Person, so like you know, I haven't I followed a couple generations here and there, and and that was it. Mostly the the early ones. So I'm a filthy Gen Oneer, I think they call us. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I I actually echo almost all all the sentiments that you do about Sword and Shield. Like I I felt like the wild area to me, and I said this in prior episodes, but like it is to me the the ultimate manifestation of what Pokemon always should have been, which is like this grand adventure. You're always like Pokemon legitimately can scare the hell out of you. Like I, I love it. I love that idea. Um, you know, you might run across one that is just too much for your team. And then the idea of like the co-op battles is something that just endlessly delighted me. Like it, it was just so much fun every single time. And the fact that they're even adding onto that with the, the one of the new DLC packs is really exciting as well. I thought. Exactly. I like that. They're making the game more correct. They kind of touched on the Pokemon Let's Go being local, but having a new co-op area, I really hope it's some type of online co-op. I don't know the details of it. I haven't read too much on it. But like that, that's cool that they're keeping that in mind. Like it's finally The funny part is it looks like Game Freak is finally starting to listen to people. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I really think Nintendo's been making it. It's a whole tangent, but I really think Nintendo's starting to actually take more player feedback in some areas. Because a lot of stuff that hardcore Pokemon fans have been complaining about, uh, about was addressed in this game. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, it's, it's a lot of things from, oh, I can't compete in a tournament because it's going to take me two weeks to get a Pokemon team ready. And, you know, or I need somebody to gen it. You know what I mean? Which a lot of people look down upon. I don't gen. But, um, you know what I mean? Just making it friendly. Like, it's more welcoming. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. it's good. it's good to hear that majority of the things that we've said in the last couple of episodes... Uh, you know, you feel the same way because, you know, we, you know, um, I feel like the, I'm in the same boat with you with like the whole competitive scene where Mm -hmm. I got sick and tired of seeing like the same Pokemon and, you know, everyone had like the same team. It felt like half the time. So, you know, shaking it up is really cool. I didn't know that they were, uh, adding a new Pokemon after these tournaments, which I think is genius so Mm -hmm. that you're, you're forced to, you know, use these Pokemon and then we'll give you more. And then the meta is going to change. And then, you know, once again, there's another tournament. Add more meta change. I think that's cool. So yeah. uh, I'm excited about that. You know, I, I was like really disappointed a little bit about them saying that it was like a next gen Pokemon. Because like in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, next gen Pokemon. That sounds really good. You know, you look at games like uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. You look at stuff like Breath of the Wild. These games are amazing on the Switch. But then you sort of look at Pokemon Sword and Shield and like. To me, though, like the the quality sort of dropped down a little a little bit. It sort of looked like it was like a 3ds port that they sort of just upres to the Switch. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, but I I do appreciate all of the um you know quality of life changes. Like I I was part of that vote where I was like, yo, I don't want to get back into competitive battling because of how long it takes to get like a team going. And then you know, I mean, I, I know this stuff like Pokemon Showdown, so you can sort of test these teams out, but. I don't know, I was sort of, like, in between of trying to be competitive, but then at the same time, like, I was still casual, so, uh, it's, I, I love it, and then, just the ease of just people being able to jump in, uh, you know, they're able to battle, they're able to, you know, create really good teams, it's, it's cool, I like it. Good deal, good deal, man. Yeah, so, um, anything else you want to shout out in your, what you've been playing? 
Um, I think I hit most of the main things, man. Anything Nintendo really. Okay, okay. I, um, I was also gonna say Astral Train. Play uh, that. I want to so watch you play. That. <laughs> I've been. I actually started that. I didn't get too too far. I think I'm like two hours in. It's interesting. Like you can definitely tell. Uh, it's an anime game in my opinion. Like it's made by a series that made Bayonetta, or at least the uh, studio. Yeah. Cause like once I saw they had a whole anime intro, like literally two minutes of game, I'm like, yeah, I see what y'all doing. Go ahead, go ahead, go off. I'm with it. Yeah, that's that's what sucked uh, sucked me into the game. Like just that that whole aesthetic of it sort of being like an anime uh, beat 'em up. Like it's it's really good. Uh, so I don't know I, I got to check in you check in your streams whenever you're playing that. Hey, sounds good, man. Appreciate it. All right, so Rod, I got you, man. What you been playing? I've been playing quite a bit. I'm gonna run through this somewhat quickly so because uh, i know we have a lot to get to today but uh the first thing i played was uh, donut county finally on switch um that is uh, published by annapurna made by ben esposito and it is a game about a hole that opens up in town and you just kind of drop things into the hole and the hole gradually gets bigger as more items are accumulated into it um that is that is the game like there is that is the gameplay the core like 95% of what you're doing, that is it. And it sounds like, you know, you might go, well, how can they make a game out of that? Well, they did. And they did it pretty well, I would say. Um, the art style is so cool. It, it reminds me of like, a, um, it's very obviously cartoony, but it's like things are very exaggerated, but kind of like in a very colorful um, things like really pop, I would say. Um, and the thing about it is, is it, the, the point of the game is actually, it's, it's a huge allegory for gentrification. Um, oh, and yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually really cool. Um, the, uh, I would have never figured those words would be in the same sentence. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's wild, but it's, uh, so without giving too much away, and it's not a long game, it's like a couple hours long, but, um, the, basically there's this raccoon who is actually manning this hole. He downloaded an app that actually pops these holes up all over town, and he's just constantly, like, just there, there, he's just sucking things in this hole. Um, I would also say that, uh, sometimes, later on in the game, it does get more, progressively more clever. So at some point, you're just kind of getting used to just, throwing things in there but at some point you might for example one of the one of the puzzles is like okay you have to figure out a way to get a hot air balloon in this hole but obviously it's a hot air balloon it's actually tied down on strings so what you have to do is actually you <clears throat> what you do is you can actually heat up the the hole like i think there's a fire or something that you can make fall in and then it heats up and it actually lifts the balloon up like off of the strings um it's Things like that that happen that in the game con consistently in the back half that make it super clever. Um, and I actually really, really enjoyed my time with it. And the music is really dope too. And I was not expecting that either. I was, I was expecting, to be honest, not a lot. <laughs> I just, I went off of it. Um, I went to it off of word of mouth alone and I'm really, really happy I did. It's like, uh, I picked it up on sale for like six or seven bucks. Perfect price. I, I, I highly recommend it. Even like double the MSRP, I think it's it's worth it. So definitely worth checking out. Um, I also played Gris, which is oh, I cannot remember the studio's name. Um, I will look that up. But it was actually published. Go ahead. I was gonna say, isn't that um starts with the A? Like Anna. Uh, Anna Perna published Donut County, but Devolver did. They published uh, Gris. Oh. This okay. was yeah. It might be Ardent 
studio studios maybe it's a foreign studio but uh, like devolver digital yeah devolver digital definitely yeah they published it um and the developer might be like ardent or something but it's that this is also a game that i had recommended to me directly um as you know and i had my eye on it before it, i'm another game i'm super super glad i played very short but uh very much to the point it's also it's a game dealing with about a girl dealing with um loss and kind of walking through the five stages of grief. Um, and it is a game, again, that the art style is, like, second to none. Like, I think it came out at the end of maybe, or the beginning of last year, or the end of 2017. It came out, or 2018. Um, it's about a year old now, but it's honestly spectacular. Like, the the music is is very it has this like kind of orchestral sweeping kind of vibe to it um there uh it, it, you're primarily platforming and solving kind of light puzzles as you're kind of going through this fantastical world um you gain abilities as you're going through it's like a metroidvania but without the backtracking and it is really fascinating um eventually you gain um abilities like swimming and double jumping and things like that to kind of um make the some of the puzzles like really inventive um there is a world towards the end that is actually like a topsy-turvy world where you're actually kind of floating between like different dimensions and like it's you're you kind of have to play things backwards like it's a like a parallel world that's in reverse Mm. um and it's really really interesting and awesome and i would say emotionally affecting by the end um i thought it was actually like a I, I don't, I don't want to sound like disparaging because I think that like the game did a good job with its story, but Sea of Solitude last year, I think gameplay wise is kind of what I expected out of that. Um, and that's kind of what I got in Gris. Um, so yeah, awesome, awesome game. A few hours long, certainly worth your time. And the last game I played that I was really happy I finally got to was Life is Strange 2, episode 5. Finally got through that. Um, it's been out for a month, but I've just been so busy. As I mentioned on the show before, it's, it's it was hard to sit down and, and just play it in one sitting. But I finally got to it, and I have to say, like, I, I honestly, I think as a as like on the whole, like as a package, I think I think Life is Strange Two is better. But I enjoyed the the characters and i think that just the general narrative conceit of the original life is strange more um i do think that the endings here are more varied in life is strange one you only got like you got a very binary choice you got this this happens or that happens uh life is strange two that there's like six or seven different endings that wildly vary depending on what you've actually done not only in that episode but uh, from episodes one through four and overall, I think the game is powerful. Um, it's talking a lot about, um, you know, politics, things that we are going through today and, and, and concepts like immigration, um, uh, racism, homophobia, things like that. Like there's a lot of this. It's heavy. It's a heavy game, but, but it's necessary. Um, and I know, Chris, we had this conversation during the game of the year podcast of like, you know, oh man, it didn't make the top 10 list and, maybe that is a regret because I, I, we kind of wanted to see like would it be able to stick the landing i hadn't completed it at that time um well this game stuck the landing i think okay, <laughs> and so, yeah so it's definitely it's definitely worth 
uh, checking out for sure, especially if you liked the original. Uh, the the ending I got particularly was brutal, but it was like very. It seemed appropriate for just how I played this game. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, that's how you kind of want all of these adventure games to go. You never you want to not feel like you can see the strings behind them. Um, and here, I think it was a little tougher. Um, you know, obviously. There are certain mechanics that I think just if you play a lot of games, you'll just be able to decipher those. But here it's a, a little bit tougher. And I'm just so glad that they they're not afraid to to really touch on some some harsh, harsh topics. And I have to say again that the idea that you have your you're traveling with your brother in this game and he has his own morality system. So you can go through the entire game telling him one thing and you, the player character, you're doing something else. Your brother is maybe, he may not follow the directions. If you tell him, hey, don't use your powers ever because like they're, you don't know how to use it. You can't control it, whatever. And then you tell him to consistently break those rules or you are, you display behavior that kind of contradicts your values he'll go against you and he'll he eventually he'll go, kind of go on his own path i managed to kind of like have a playthrough where i told him to be like how to try to be a good person as best as possible or maybe only use your powers like in extreme circumstances and he actually ended up like trusting me obeying me and like we ended up having a good relationship but like that's Going by like the, the choice map at the very end of the game, it can go very much not that way. <laughs> um, so that's really, really cool and not something that they actually did before in Life is Strange 1. So very pleased that they not only implemented it here, but were able to actually see that through all the way from beginning to end. And, and it, again, very emotional experience. Playing Gris and, and Life is Strange 2 back to back was a uh, very emotional uh, few days for me, for sure. Um, <laughs> just narratively. But, um, yeah, I think I might just cleanse my palate with like Overwatch or something. I don't know. Um, I also don't know. That's like the, the opposite end of the spectrum. Like at that point, it's rage, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the rank club, man. <laughs> right, true, right. true. Man, if I may chime in for that, man, I didn't like my Life is Strange 2 ending. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, mean, you did. I, I did not like it. I'm not gonna go into detail, of course, for spoilers, but Daniel ain't listening to me. <laughs> that's all, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm like, mm, like, you ain't real, but it's okay. I mean, I'm content and understand my ending, but I was definitely like, boy, listen, he ain't listen. I'm like, well, this is my ending. It's all yeah. right. <laughs> I'm I'm actually really excited because I haven't I haven't gotten to talk to anyone who's actually played two. So have, did you play? My first question is, did you play the original and did you like it? Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed the first one. Um, more so for the turns, it felt a bit slow through most of the game, but I really mm-hmm. liked Chloe. Uh, main character was pretty. Grew, main character grew on me, but I enjoyed the first one. I did like. I do agree with you on how it's just like literally a binary ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they did Life is Strange 2 was really, really well. Cause like, you know, I think anybody that plays that blind, like once you get to the end of the game, you'll understand why it turned out that way. Like for me, I was very rule, like use your powers, but follow the law. You do the full rules. You know what I mean? I was very right. strict. So I'm like, I want to teach them about to be right. But for me, I felt that without going details, it just ended up in a different way than I would have wanted it to be. But mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, it was like, well, I'm the one that reinforced these ideals, so mm-hmm. it's on me. It was a very interesting experience for stream. They still roast me for it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. 
for sure, for sure. It, it was a really good playthrough. Nice, nice. Oh man, that makes me so excited. We'll have to talk like off mic about uh, about that ending for sure. <laughs> oh sure, uh, I'm still salty, but it's okay. <laughs> nah, I'm with you, most deaf. Awesome. All right, dang. Chris. I was gonna say, dang, now I need I need to play that now. You need, yes, you need to play it. You do, you do. Chris, what you been playing? Oh boy. Oh man, I gotta get comfortable for this one. So, um, this past week, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot came out. Everyone knows I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. Uh, I mean, it's sort of in the name, Blackrot. Uh, but, and I, I guess I sort of talked about it last week where I sort of like knew my expectations sort of going in. I was like, all right, this is a Dragon Ball Z game. So I'm going to go in with like the, uh, the rose tinted glasses. But then at the same time, I don't like, uh, arena fighters, which this game is like a mix of an arena fighter. And a lot of Dragon Ball Z games have, like, really light RPG elements, but this one is like, hey, like, we're really pushing the RPG elements in this one. And you sort of see it in the beginning. Uh, they uh, sort of introduce you to, like, you know, yeah, eating certain meals will buff your stats. Um, and then, of course, like, there's levels. While you're leveling up, you can learn moves. You can upgrade those moves with, like, the orbs that you collect. So there's a lot of, like, moving pieces that's going on in the game that's keeping me entertained in that aspect. So, like, if I see that I'm getting close to a level and I want to unlock a move, hey, I'll sort of, like, fly around the open world and, you know, get orbs so I could level up. Um, so, I mean, that, that I could I respect the RPG elements. I respect, you know, the story, of course. It's Dragon Ball Z. Uh, same story that we've, you know, uh, seen for over, like, how long? I think it's, what, like, 30 30 years yeah. now at this yeah. point, right? Yeah, it's been a minute. So same story. So for someone going in that knows the story already, I, and like this, like I haven't watched Z in years. So going in, like I know what's happening, but it's sort of like it hits that fan service of, you know, the animations is really good. Um, and also, you know, it's developed by CyberConnect too. So if you played any of like the Naruto games in the past decade, you sort of know what quality you're getting with, like, you know, the, the cutscene animations with the fight. Like, there's just, like, the gameplay. Like, while you're in a fight, certain cutscenes sort of happen that make it feel like you're watching the anime at the same time. So uh, that's another really positive point is that the game looks really good. Uh, you know, and this is coming off of, like, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters that, you know, once again, looks like you're watching the anime. Uh, this is, you know, the same aspect. It looks really good. Um... And all right, so at this point, this is where it's starting to, I'll start like pulling back. And that's when the, the rose tints and glasses, they shattered. And <laughs> I got to be a little bit real now with the game. Uh, gameplay wise, like the moment to moment, it sort of feels like it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a huge step back. So like while you're in like these open worlds, they are, think of it like being, um, it's like an open hub. So like you have different, points in the map that you could you have you could you know go to and you know like if you if you you know play Dragon Ball Z if you watch Dragon Ball Z you'll see a lot of uh areas that you should recognize from the show so it's cool flying around these environments but then at the same time the flying feels really clunky like really clunky to the point where like the first 15 20 minutes I had to really sit there and think damn the like, the, the flying, like, you have, like, a sense of speed, but at the same time, you're, like, sort of, 
I don't know, like just it's it's not really well tuned. And like this is me coming off of like playing Spider Man, where Spider Man to me has like the best like open world movement mechanics. Like I think yeah. the only reason why mm-hmm. I, I use quick uh, the fast travel in mm-hmm. Spider Man was to get the trophy. Yeah. Like, any other time I just I'll just swing over there. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they really fine-tuned, the, the developers for Spider-Man really fine-tuned the, the aspect of momentum and giving you speed, like that visceral feeling of, like, it actually mattering, like, what, at what point, like, are you, like, jumping off from something, or at what point are you actually swinging, like, giving you enough inertia to, like, actually feel real, obviously visual effects go into that as well, but, like, it just feels like there's a lot more going on in that system, at least from what I'm hearing you describe about uh, Kakarot. Yeah, that's not here. That's not. Here. <laughs> that's like it's um, like you move fast, but like it's sometimes you're too fast. So a lot of times I'm missing orbs, or I'm like I'm overshooting where I'm trying to go. So I don't know if that's just maybe that's my on my end, where where I just got to get better with flying around. But uh, it, it's I don't know. Like it just it just feels off. Um, now. To the meat and potatoes of the game, like the actual like fighting while you're, you know, uh, either doing like the open world random battles or like the actual story battles. So I really wish it was better. Like, you know, once again, it's an arena fighter. So your options are really, you know, toned down. Um, in this game, the like physical melee attacks, just literally you're mashing the attack button. You're mashing attack, you're mashing the attack button. And then once you finish out the combo, You'll have like a, you know, window of opportunity to sometimes, you know, fire off a beam or, you know, try and like chase them down so you can do like a, um, like another special move. So like it's, it's, it's really simple. It's a really simple, but like it's too simple. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where the first like two hours of the game or maybe three, four hours, I literally, like I said, was just mashing. Uh, circle until until the enemy's bar was gone. So um, that was a that's a pretty big letdown. Uh, and then like sort of going a little bit further into you know uh, you know you start off the Saiyan saga, you go into the uh, Namek saga. Once you get to the Namek saga, like I feel like the game sort of starts picking up with the difficulty, and you start fighting like named enemies. So you're fighting like Doria, Zarbon, you're fighting Frieza. Sometimes you're fighting these characters all at once by yourself. And the game is like, these enemies are just throwing special attacks at you the whole time. Like you think, hey, you know, it's a game, it's an RPG. They might have like some sort of delay or they might have to wait before they could do it. Sort of like how we're playing. No, like there have been fights where I'm literally dodging uh, like special beam cannons or dodging like death balls just back to back to back. And I'm like, yo, chill, relax. It's not that serious. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, uh, I'm learning now not to just mash the buttons. Now I'm learning to sort of move around, dodge. Uh, the enemies glow red sometimes to show that they're about to do an unblockable attack. So when you see that, pull back, uh, get ready to block, sometimes get ready to just move out the way. And now, like, I'm, you know, learning the the mechanics of the game, the mechanics of just fighting, it's gotten a little bit better. But like I said, it's still a little bit too easy. And I don't know. I I knew what I was getting myself into when, when jumping into the game. So I can't say yeah. 
I'm disappointed, yeah. but I'm still disappointed. Mm. I was, but but I will finish that off saying that you know my biggest thing with you know playing games is whether or not it's you know is it fun. And sometimes it's fun. So, and I think that's just more or less of me just loving Dragon Ball Z so much that I'm still having fun with it. Yeah. But at the same time, I can still pull myself back and think, damn, if this wasn't Dragon Ball Z, would I still like this game? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of the appeal for me, and I haven't, I haven't played this game yet, and I'm unsure if, when I'll get to it, if ever, but like, one of the, one of the bits of appeal for me is that they are inserting like some of those side missions with like, famous filler arcs like the Goku driver's license thing and all this other stuff that seemed like really fun and that haven't been explored yet in a game. I, I do think that it feels like just a tiny bit stale to kind of go through just like the, the Z saga, like from beginning to end. I mean, I get why that would be cool for a lot of people, but it just feels like it's we're not really doing or seeing anything else than yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. And that's a good point because, you know, our viewers know that, I will play side quests, but then I'll get distracted and just say, hey, I just I just want to finish the game, so I'll just stick along the main path. This is one of the games that, I guess, once again, the love of Dragon Ball Z, I'm actually doing these side quests, and they do introduce, uh, you know, characters from like, the original Dragon Ball, uh, some characters that sort of just, like, disappeared because Akira Toyama, like, completely forgot about them. So some people are coming back. They all have like side quests and like it's, it's written like Dragon Ball. So, uh, it's like, I feel like those bits, like when I see a side quest pop up, I'll actually, you know, stop what I'm doing in the story and going over and doing those. Um, they, they explore just like how Yamcha is like a, Yamcha? a goofball. Yeah. He's a goofball. He's like, <laughs> I feel like anytime I see that there's a Yamcha side mission, like I'm, I'm definitely heading towards, you know, over to it because they're funny. Um, as they should be, as they should be. So, <laughs> but I mean, and the game is like, it's self-aware. So like, like I said, in these side quests, they will, they're sort of written in a way that you sort of expect, like I said, with like the Yamcha stuff. So that sort of had me laughing. Um, and some quests are like, I don't know, like they, there's, there's a lot of quests where it's like, Hey, like go collect like these type of things and then come back. So, you know, those missions are, you know, not fun. And I feel like that, sort of ruins, you know, like, there's the flow of the game. Man, you got me, Mike. Want to go back and play it? I got to be honest. I live uninstalled it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even like that. I'm like, dang, this game does sound good, but, man, I only played 64 minutes. <laughs> it was said that on Steam, and I was just like, like, it was cool, but I don't know, man. It's, it's hard for me to go through the story again. That's, it, and, that's and that's fair enough. It It is. Um, so I'm guessing you said 64 minutes. You... You're probably still doing like the Raddit stuff, right? Yep, exactly. I was just like, eh, like I'm good. I'm gonna switch games. Yeah, and that's and that's fair because like that that first <laughs> that first bit, like it's that like I said, a lot of like these mechanics are being thrown at you, and they're not like enticing enough. Like nothing was yeah. like. So, um, yeah, like once you push past that, like I said, the it gets harder to me, and that sort of like amps the fun a little bit. So like I said, I sort of had to change how I, how I was playing the game at that point. Once they were doing all these moves, I couldn't stop. And like I said, like once you're doing like these handicap battles, it's tough. Like I, I don't know how they did it in the show, but like I, I have that feeling of, holy shit, I'm fighting like these two, three people at once and it's just me. So, yeah. uh, that, I mean, that, that's cool, but 
It's just that's where it stops. And then at that point, that's when, like, the you know, the negatives start becoming, you know, it's in your face at that point. But, you know, at this point, you know, I played maybe about 12. No, I'm lying. I'm, like, 15 hours in now. Like, I legit played the game for 12 hours on Friday. And um, I am starting the Android Saga. But what I do like is in between the sagas, they have like these intermission parts where you can, you know, you can focus on side quests. Uh, they now opened up where you can start collecting the Dragon Balls. So, you know, it's, is the game I feel like is adding more that's making me want to play the game more over time. But you sort of have to, I guess, push past that hump of, yeah, this game isn't great, but I'm too much of a Dragon Ball fan to, you know, stop playing. But that's that's what I got for Dragon Ball. Like it's mm. um, I just based off what I'm playing right now, like I said, I honestly couldn't really recommend it. Um, I can only recommend it as like a sale game. Like if you're picking it up on sale, if you're a huge fan of Dragon Ball, but even at that, take everything that I said. Like it's it's rough. Like it's not good, but it's it's fun to me. So like that's that weird like balance of right. you know. Should I be playing this game? Should I be playing other stuff? But yeah, it's, you're, you're, it's too early for for this, Chris. It's too early in the year for all this. We can't we can't anthem this or days gone it. Oh man, <laughs> right, right about that. <laughs> hey, you just brought up some memories. Crap, stop no, all your ahead. It's, it's 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 definitely not like an anthem thing. Okay, but then again, like I said, if this if this wasn't Dragon Ball, would this be an anthem thing? I feel like yes. The answer is yes. It you this is D- Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is is your days gone. Okay, That's, that makes sense. That's what's happening right now, uh, Dave. So just quick side note. Uh, I played Days Gone for entirely too much time. Um, maybe for maybe 40, 50 hours. It's pretty embarrassing to be honest. I did not really enjoy it for the first like twenty five or so. I mm-hmm. why I kept playing it, I I don't know. I think it partially is because I I heard that like. The game gets a lot better later on, so I was like, oh, I want to get to the good part. And I just kept playing it and playing it and playing it. It was, like, not getting good yet. Um, but until it actually got tolerable, I would say. Like, legitimately, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't just Stockholm Syndrome. Like, it actually kind of became or morphed into a decent game by the end, but it took way too much time to get there. Like, you should not have to play a game for 45 hours before it gets good. Right. Uh, and, and so it feels like Chris might be going through a similar thing. Where he's not really liking it, <laughs> but he's but keep, he keeps playing it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely where I'm at right now. So I think by the time next week's episode will be out, I probably will be done with this game. If like I said, I am pretty much halfway, well, getting towards halfway through. I'm in like that third big arc right now. Oh, second big arc right now. Um, in total, I've been like looking around. People online are saying like the game is about forty hours if you're just doing the main stuff if you're doing some side stuff that'll then increase to maybe like i guess about 60 it's about 75 hours but do i feel like i want to do these fetch quests for that long i don't know like i like i said i'll sort of pick and choose if i see it's a yamcha mission i'll probably jump into it or if i see if it's like vegeta or gohan but yeah you know uh what's his name uh dr briefs like if he asked me to, to fucking collect like these stones one more time i will never <laughs> play these missions again uh but yeah that's that's all i got uh for what my for my what you've been playing for this week uh once again we want to extend the questions or the this question out to you guys what have you guys been playing uh 
us talk about it in the comments, whether you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening us to. Let's talk. Let's go ahead and talk about it. So next up, we're going to go ahead and jump into the news. And like I said at the beginning of the show, um, the majority of this news is like disappointing for a lot of people. It's pretty tough. So I'll, I'll start off with my like biggest break, um, what I didn't like, but we're going to jump into Smash Ultimate, Super Smash Brothers. Uh, we recently had a Nintendo Direct and we found out who the last <laughs> DLC character is. I got feelings. <laughs> oh boy. I, I have a lot of feelings. So, um, we're getting Byleth from Fire Emblem Three Houses. So mm-hmm. now I'm hearing it now. Everyone's like, oh boy, another Fire Emblem character. And I think watching the direct, like even, uh, Sakurai said something about it. He was like, you know, once we start this clip, you'll know who it is. And it is what it is at this point. So, um, yeah, we got Byleth in Smash. Guys, how do you feel? I could talk all day on this. <laughs> you, okay. sure you, you sure you want me to go first? Oh, you sure yeah. Want to run? Um, yeah, like, I, mine is very oh. short. Um, Byleth is okay, I guess, but I don't really, I think that's way too many Fire Emblem characters in this game, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, go, go ahead. You guys have the floor because I'm, I'm a more of a casual Smash guy. You sure you want to go, you want to go before me, Chris? Cause I got feelings. I got, I got, I got a rant. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna keep it short. How am I feeling about Pilot? Okay, so we go on the history. Now, Nintendo said, I don't know the exact quote, but the character packed one. They originally said that they're gonna be bringing characters from different franchises in, right? Mm-hmm. Which they did for the first four. So the fifth one means they lied. Like yes. it's like, like now if you're gonna say you're gonna bring characters from different franchises, then say we've already picked the five. Fire Emblem technically doesn't make sense. So that 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 one I think was the biggest hit, which is why I feel. I mean, granted, it's Fire Emblem. That's already gonna be negative, whatever. But because they said that statement, I think that's why a lot of diehard Smashers are upset. Because that's why me, I was just like, there's no way they would add Fire Emblem, Pokemon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, what's something funny is like, despite me being disappointed about that, I I knew Byleth would become a character in the game. Like, but oh, I just yeah, thought sure. I thought Byleth would be in Character Pack Two because because they said that statement about Character Pack One, right? Mm-hmm. Character Pack Two has six characters. Like, I could easily see a new Pokemon. I knew they were gonna add Byleth yeah. or one of the main houses. Like, you know, because they never said anything about Character Pack Two. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have been like five different franchises and let's bring back I don't know Geno, Byleth, a Pokemon. You know, so it's like it's fair game, but. Uh, and them add another Fire Emblem character, I'm not upset because I put so much hours in the Fire Emblem Three Houses. You know what I mean? So it's like, I love that game. <laughs> it's like, so I, in fairness, it's like, okay, that's a good pick, but it was bad timing as your final character pack one choice. But I yeah. like the Bile Edition, uh, the Bile Edition, like, I'll probably be playing them, but, like, I don't know, it's like, I'm not too upset, I'm just upset at the time. Like, it, that would have been an amazing character pack to first person to announce. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's, that's Nine, the thing where I'm seven, eight. With So it's like... Was, so, so, like, let me ask you, who who were you expecting? Like, what, what, why, why were you, like... Okay, why, I, had, part, yeah. I had a couple. All right, Dante was the most realistic with the announcement yeah. they had January 16th, just ironically, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Dante, I was really thinking about that Travis dude from No More Heroes because he was holding up a three, and I think in like a third game or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I still see him as a potential character, honestly. Uh, everybody wants Sora. I'm, I wouldn't mind it, but I'm not too diehard. I'm still waiting on Gino. I'm just like, you know, Gino and Waluigi to get in there. Waluigi for the memes, but. <laughs> like let, let's see real Ridley was a meme that became real so it's like exactly. I could I could easily see uh if Ridley was added I could easily see Gino being added because that was such a big demand I mean they added Sans like technically you know what I mean so I don't know like that, that's that's my opinion yeah I'm I'm the same boat I was you know I was hoping for Dante I was hoping for Travis um I guess a lot of people like you said were hoping for Sora. I was I was part of like Twitter the Twitterverse. I was like, "Yo, we need Goku in this game." Yeah, um, ain't gonna happen. You, you know what? You never know. They added Fire Emblem. Anything can happen. Yeah. So I like I'm same boat. Like I was not expecting a Fire Emblem character. It would have been like the perfect like first uh, for the season uh, past two. Exactly. I'm thinking they might do if if they, if I I look at trends. I look at like you know things that are consistent. If they add a Mario character. Um, for the next season pass, I I feel like uh, Waluigi would be a perfect like. Exactly, I think he's gonna be the last character just to be like, wait, what? Really? Like, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, um, dang, yeah, like it's it's tough. It is what it is at this point. Um, he he will be out at the end of the month, so uh, he'll be out, and then of course they're doing some uh, some me fighter skins. I'm loving that they have a Cuphead skin. Yeah, I'm actually starting practicing me gunner just because of Cuphead. Like, I've been training that over the past couple of days. I'm nice. ready. That's how yeah. <laughs> that that is a really cool one. I'm actually in the middle of a Cuphead playthrough right now. It's a great game. I, I yeah. love it. Yeah. So, um, that's that with Smash. Uh, next up, more disappointing news. We have it's it's officially delay season, guys. We're in it. We're in the thick of it right now. Whatever you, you're looking forward to coming out this year, it's probably been pushed back. So we had, we've had a couple, uh, get announced over this past week. We have Final Fantasy VII being pushed from March to April, which isn't too bad. Avengers, which got pushed from May to September. And then we have Cyberpunk 2077 from April to September. Um, guys, how you feel about the late season? Yeah, go first. You want me to get it? <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to highlight the Cyberpunk one really quickly because we actually have confirmation and it sucks because it, now we know like they're going to be those developers are going to be in doing crunch like in doing extra long hours that was actually on out on Twitter very recently so that really sucks. Uh it mm-hmm. makes me very sad. Um and I I always want to highlight stuff like that because it goes I think when it's as far as the gaming enthusiast community goes like i think sometimes it's easy to forget that like the people who are bringing us these games are uh, literally killing themselves when they don't need to that does not need to happen let me be very clear about that um but you know it's it's just i think we could just as a whole maybe like hopefully speak up a little bit about that and raise and, and just be aware that that type of stuff is happening and um uh yeah so i definitely wanted to make sure that we highlighted that at first um the Final Fantasy one isn't too, too bad, honestly. That's one month. I think, honestly, they moved it because, um, <clears throat> I think it was supposed, it's coming out in March, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I actually am not sure about that one because that is one that has been data, data mined already. So it, presumably that game is like mostly complete at this point. Um, along with a 
presumably a demo that's coming soon. Um, the Avengers game is another one that is, I think, pretty big um, and one that I think legit maybe needs to work. If you guys have seen any footage from that game, um, I, to me, it looks okay, but it, it just it strikes me as a little generic, at least more so than what I would assume that you know Marvel would kind of slap their name on. Um, mm-hmm. So who knows what that thing is going to look like. But yeah, I'm super bummed out about the Cyberpunk one for, you know, the reasons that I've said before and, and also just because I really want to play that game. Um, but yeah, what about you, Dave? Alright, so Cyberpunk 2077, uh, uh, the funny part about it is I actually called it being delayed before it came out. And I have a unique reason. So, uh, I do voice acting, right? You know, I mean, getting some roles, all that other stuff. And, all right, I'm going into a whole story, but I got an email about, like, this role, and it was like, hey, this game, Cloudpunk, is based in a cyberpunk-esque world, the city of the Volus, about you being a delivery driver. And I'm just like, holy shit, like, mm-hmm. that's, that, <laughs> this is a voice role invite to try out for Cyberpunk 70, 20, you know, 2077. Nice, yeah. So, of course, I tried out for every single role that I could try out for. I mean, a lot <laughs> of people are all over the internet. But, like, when I saw that, I was like, wait, like, it's it's mid-January. Like, you telling me they're going to take try out all of us, mm-hmm. pick pick out some people for the roles, get that in the game all before March? Like, they, I was like, there was just, I was talking to the stream about it, I was like, there's just no way you can do all that in such a short amount of time. So, right. for me, I, I was the beginning of January, really, so I knew that would happen. Now, am I disappointed? Yeah. But if I get, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's a lot of competition, but if I get a role, then shoot. Take as long as you need. Get me in the game. So right. I, I kind of knew that was happening. So it's not shocking once they officially announced it because I was like, you know, you're still recruiting people to work on this. Right. Uh, Avengers, yeah, Avengers is going to be my Naruto Shinobi, two Shinobi striker. I don't care if it was delayed. Like, I'm not really looking forward to the game. To be right. Off what I've seen. But since it does have that multiplayer co-op, like, I love Naruto Shinobi striker. That's probably one of my favorite multiplayer streaming periods and like the game had so many issues so many bugs etc etc but like it was just that so it was just so enjoyable because you're playing with friends like i feel like that is the only appeal to avengers but i am not the rest to play it like i just you know if it comes out whenever it comes out cool i'll give it a shot as long as i have a group two to play with it's like it's like assassin's creed unity but that game was that game had issues but you play with the right (laughs) squad that would be that's true amazing times uh, Final Fantasy 7, I don't mind. Make that game as great as you can. That's a big release, so I don't yeah. care if you push it back two more months. Like, just make it right. They got my girl Tifa in the game. So, <laughs> I, I really don't mind. Now, it does kind of suck because, like, March was supposed to be that big game period of the year, but mm-hmm. there's other stuff you can play. Oh, for sure. But I got mixed feelings, mm-hmm. but it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean... I, I feel the same way. Actually, no. I am actually really happy that these games got pushed back. Because as soon as I read the news for these games being pushed back, my wallet hopped out of my pocket and, like, breathed it had, you know, breath of, uh, uh, sigh of relief. That's the expression. It was like, yo, we're good. <laughs> we don't have to spend all this money on these games. Save so, for another day. Yeah. Save mm-hmm. for another day. So I mean, it's it's cool uh, on that aspect because like for a minute, all of these games are really being bunched up all together. So um, I know for one, for sales, that's not really too good. Uh, having a lot of competition, especially with uh, I know Cyberpunk. Um, that I mean, I know Cyberpunk was going to do really well, but I guess more or less the other games that are coming out that month. I mean, I guess they also uh, had a sigh of relief. 
but uh you know i'm same boat like just work on the game make sure it's good and you know we'll get it when we get it we have all these games yeah. that came out last year we got games that are coming out this year we're we're good we're good yeah, at the end of the fine. day so you know it's not it's not the big doom and gloom that a lot of people online are making it out to be and sort of to shout out what rod said you know it does suck that you know a lot of these developers are now working what like 60 70 hour uh work weeks and it's you know it's, it's, it's not cool yeah it's never a good thing unionize that's what we need you know. <clears throat> all right so next up we have uh the news of sony deciding to skip e3 again while microsoft was like yo you're not being here all right cool we'll show up we're gonna do our thing but guys how do you guys feel about you know sony skipping out on e3 again uh, mine's really short, but I could be mistaken, but didn't they just say they would stop going, period, like a year or two ago? Like, I don't know, so I would be shocked more so if they said they would go, but I think they said something like they're just kind of done, you know? With, like, mm-hmm. these trade shows in general, yeah. Um, it's, it, this, this is definitely, I, I, a lot of people said last year that it was the, the death nail, now for E3, and I'm not sure if I buy that. Like, I just think maybe E3 transforms. Like, it's transformed so many times over the last, you know, 20 odd years or however long it's been at this point. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to transform again. I think E3 will, will stay. Um, and I think at this point we've got, you know, we still have Microsoft going. We still have, uh, Nintendo. They'll be there in their own way. Um, and all the third party publishers and some who may, you know, take over, you know, at that slot. And I think what Square took over their slot last year. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe they do the same thing this year. Maybe someone else new, you know, rises to the to that occasion. Um, I, I honestly think that at this point we've asked this question maybe like ten times uh, over the course of you know fifty episodes or so. So, Dave, I'm actually super curious from your perspective. Do you think E3 is even necessary right now? Uh, I mean, I like E3. I actually go every year. So I was there twenty yeah seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. But, I mean, like, it's nice. It's not really necessary, in my opinion. But, I mean, it just brings such a culture of hype for game announcements and what things mm-hmm. come out. So, like, it's just like a Nintendo Direct. You know what I mean? Like, you're just so right. excited what you see. So, I think it is necessary. But, like, I guess it depends on what you mean. The term is, I guess it depends on what do you mean by necessary in that sense. Right. So, basically, in the sense that, you know, uh, a media company essentially doesn't have to, at least in my mind, they don't have to all gather here at this particular location to reveal a bunch of things that, you know, they've got com- upcoming because we have things like PlayStation State of Play, Nintendo Directs. You made that great point. Um, Microsoft has Inside Xbox now that they were really, um, you know, really hyping last year as well. So, you know, there's really, at least in my mind, as far as like advertising goes and, and, and marketing hype and everything like that, I think you make a great point that it's a centralized time that is already ingrained in a lot of, um, you know, gamers' minds of, like, June is E3 month. Like, that's when we get a bunch of stuff. And I think that that will persist. Um, but as far as, like, we get just this giant dump or we have to get this dump on that particular week, I'm not sure how necessary that is anymore. I I actually flip on the opposite side. I think it's not necessary for established companies, but for Mm -hmm. those that aren't, it would help a lot because we're like, we go to E3, we're expecting to see all this whole bunch of new stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, even though Anthem wasn't that good, like Anthem was other heroes, it's like other things, but like for Nintendo direct, I would wake up at 6am and watch Nintendo direct. Mm 
For sure. Now, for so an indie company or some company I'm not familiar with and say, hey, we doing it at 6 a.m., I'm not getting up. I'm just going to read an article. Like, why would I wake up and do that? You get what I'm saying? But, like, that's a different yeah. tone. For Sony, Microsoft, I wouldn't even do it for Microsoft. I'm not even going to lie. But, like, I do it for Sony and Nintendo, but, like, anything else, I'm not doing it. But for E3, I'll watch it all day. So if you're not Sony or Nintendo, at least through my eyes, you are, I'm going to read about you and find out about you or just not pay attention. But, right. but at E3, you'll catch my attention because it's E3. So I think it is necessary if you're not the biggest companies that already have your biggest following. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm with you on that for sure. Um, another good point to add to that is, is, you know, PAX is really good for indie developers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that those shows consistently garner a ton of eyes. Um, I notice and not as many as E3. So I, again, I think you make a really great point there. Um, but there, there are just so many opportunities throughout the year now that I feel, you know, you can, you really have a great, message that you can put out like mm-hmm. at, at you know pretty much any time you want but yeah yeah i i i it's it's interesting you know yeah. we'll we'll have to see how e3 continues to evolve and an- another thing about pax i think i could be wrong but i mean correct me if I'm wrong of course i feel like e3 makes more noises than pax but pax it does, is a little yeah. bit more personal because e3 is done in the more presentation style mm-hmm. pax you usually see in live streams on the floor it's for the people who's there and maybe a trailer or two. But E3 is like, look, we show on the world this, you know. Right. Yeah, there's certainly a world stage like mentality behind E3. Absolutely. That I think is maybe only rivaled by the Game Awards at the end yep. of the year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, good points. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like Sony, they've already established that they really don't care about these shows anymore. So... Mm. I'm the same boat, you know, have a state of play at, you know, 5, 6 a.m. I'm there. Uh, same thing with Nintendo. I mean, I was up early. Oh, no, I think I was already up from the Nintendo thing, the uh, Smash Direct. But, um, you know, the times are just changing. Like, just the way that they, uh, developers and uh, publishers can, you know, show off their game. It's, you know, you don't have to, you know, stick with the old formats anymore. You know, it's, it's time to, you know, adapt and change and I think that's what E3 is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, last, we're actually, I guess this is this is good news. We're gonna end it off on a good note. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, now, this isn't quote unquote official, but right. it's damn near official because of the source that it's coming from. But uh, Jason Schreier from Kotaku is, you know, he's, he was back on Twitter saying that. Horizon Zero Dawn is going to receive a port to the PC. So, um, I know for a lot of people, they're like, you know, I don't really care. But to us, we sort of like, you know, analyzing these things. And for us, at least for me, that's huge because this is a, uh, first party Sony game now on another, you know, platform. And I feel like if that does well, then that's going to set a whole precedent for other games i mean down the road we may see you know uncharted on xbox but i'm gonna open it up guys how you guys feel about uh horizon being on pc uh you got it first i gotta think on this one so yeah chris you definitely i definitely want to say up top normally we don't we don't really discuss rumors and things like that but number one like you said the source is legit and number two um this is a big enough situation where i think it's worth commenting on for sure um the 
So everyone freaking out that this is a bad thing is just, to me, I, it's ridiculous. Like, more people getting to play this awesome game is not a bad thing. That's just number one. Like, that's, uh, number two, I don't know if we'll straight up see Uncharted on Xbox. Like, I don't know if that's the leap that we're going to yet. If you remember that a few weeks ago, when we discussed this on the show as well, the MLB, the show, that was actually mm-hmm. contracted to go to uh, other platforms, right? Now is a little bit different as like Sony's one of Sony's first party uh, studios is developing, but it's not like it's not a Sony product in the traditional way that like you know you would think of like Ratchet or or Uncharted or or whatever. Um, but that was something that at the time we were like, hey, what could this mean? And I think at some point we may have said something like like this might have a, a the possibility of happening like old you know older quote unquote older games like go out and maybe branch out to like a PC or something like that. Sony's interested in the PC market. That's the primary thing. Where I think the interesting intersection is, is, you know, we know Microsoft's pushing play anywhere, which is great. That's an awesome initiative that is gaining traction for them. Um, with, then that's like xCloud, that's, that's Game Pass, all of that stuff. They want to get, Microsoft wants to capture you, not just on their box, but they want to capture you on, um, you know, your, your tablet, your phone, your, your, you know, toaster or whatever like it's it's the same thing that like stadia's idea is doing but a lot better i think like microsoft's going to approach that a lot better um so seeing seeing sony become interested in the pc market in that way and actively kind of going after them i think does a few things for them it gets them revenue on a game that already exists which is awesome creates generates hype for the sequel that which will be on their next machine my personal opinion i don't know this i'm speculating purely but you know, whenever we get this PlayStation event in February, which I'm sure it's going to happen in February, one of the games I'm betting is going to be some tease for Horizon 2. And that's maybe where they announce like this, where it's like, hey, you can, you know, Horizon 2 on PS5 only, but Horizon 1's coming to PC as well. You know, similar strategy that I think Rockstar does with their games as well. Um, not necessarily in terms of sequels, but in terms of, you know, we want to kind of maximize profits as much as possible this is a way to do that um i'm not saying uncharted on xbox is an impossibility chris but like i, I just don't know if we're going to go to if we're going to jump there immediately it's, um, it's not going to be an immediate thing but once yeah. sony once they start getting that money what who's to stop them yeah. from doing something like that yeah i mean it, it honestly this move represents like more of a platform agnostic future which is insanely interesting to me so a lot of people who were speculating at the end of this generation saying that this coming, this upcoming gen is going to be potentially the last one. Like it's, I'm not saying that's, that's going to happen, but I could see the wheels starting to maybe it, they could turn in that direction. Um, and soon you can play everything everywhere. Um, and, and that is an interesting prospect to me. I think that this is super exciting and says a lot about, uh, where some of these platform manufacturers heads are going into the next gen. Man, okay. So I agree with you on some points, but I disagree on some. Mm-hmm. So like what I feel like Sony is going to do, I do agree that they probably will put Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. I don't see, all right, on the idea of putting Uncharted on Xbox, I don't see that happening with the way that PS4 didn't even want to let Fortnite players play with other, or play with other players, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, they were the last stop on the bandwagon, Uh, the game called Wargroove, they did that, like, just looking at trends, they're very unwilling to say, hey, 
you can play with other people other than PC. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. I think Sony's approach is going to be the same way that Monster approaches, that you release it on console first, and then at a later time, we'll release it on PC also. So you yes. release Zero on PlayStation, then you release it on PC. You release mm-hmm. Sequel Zero to on um, PS4 or PS5, then you get it to PC. Because by doing that, everybody that just really can't wait to play the game needs to pick up my console. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, when sales have slowed down because everybody wants to play it, play it, now there's a whole new market of people to play so, yeah. like, I, I could see them doing that for the future consoles, future games. Now, to bring them on a whole other console, I don't think so. But I think the future game because it's people being able to play with each other. Because there's such a big push for that. Like, Microsoft is willing. Nintendo's always willing. You know what I mean? PC, mm-hmm. of course. But Sony's unwilling. But if they're the only person not agreeing, they're going to kind of get pushed to that. Yeah. So, and- what's going what's gonna to push that? I feel that Sony right now they're in a really good place where they don't have to exactly. they don't have to make moves like that, but they're right. gonna react if something big happens. Exactly. So I feel like it's up to Microsoft now to push something wild on like the Switch and make a shit ton of money off of it. Right. Once that happens, Sony's gonna be like, Hey, we want money too. Well, that partnership's already technically there between the Switch and Microsoft. Like right. I mean, Banjo wasn't shocking to me after, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's a way for you to look at your Xbox Live points on the Nintendo Switch. Like, that connection's already there between mm. the companies. So it's like, you know, that's why it's funny that after that was announced a month or two later, um, yeah. Banjo officially was released. So, like, you know, I think Microsoft and Nintendo are definitely going to be working on that. But I, I just don't know. I just don't see it. I just don't see yeah. it. And, and, you know, it's it's the thing, of too, of, like, Sony... So, Dave, you're, you know, you're, again, you're making really great points about... um you know, the reasons of why Sony is doing something to add to that. I mean, Sony's the market leader. So like they don't have to, they, they don't have to do what Microsoft and Nintendo are doing. And also those three are wildly divergent in what their goals are in terms of like how they want to conduct their business and how they want to continue to, to, to gain uh, capital. Like Sony's going after the, you know, uh, single player kind of big budget blockbuster gaming market. Microsoft is again, play anywhere and Nintendo wants you to kind of like be able to play kind of anywhere too. So a similar play anywhere initiative, just like on a smaller scale. Um, and so it, it will definitely behoove and benefit uh, Nintendo and Microsoft to do, to, to work together um, in that way, rather than, you know, Sony making those moves. So this, this is a really, this particular move is interesting in just in that reason alone, just to see like where all that ends up. Because it's like, what are their next gen plans like for a lot of their games? I mean, maybe it leads nowhere, maybe it leads everywhere. Who, who knows? But it's, yeah. it's pretty fun. So, so I guess me saying like the whole Uncharted thing, I feel like that's like a, a super read into the future. Cause right. I mean, I, I, I can see where you guys are like, you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I agree. But like I said, it's also, oh, all Sony has to see is right. the potential of making even more money. Yeah. And there they go. Like it's, it's something that I, I could see happening, you know, maybe a couple years from now, not anytime soon, but. I wouldn't be surprised, and of course, if it happens, I'll be the first to be, you know, be on Twitter saying, "Yo, I, I claim this on episode <laughs> four, on episode forty-eight. Go back and listen to it." Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's like you said, it's something that may happen down the road, may not, but it's just interesting to see, pretty much. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened on my Wi-Fi's in. Oh, oh, you're yeah, good. Right. Yeah, you're good. Um. So yeah. So that's that story. Uh, once again, how do you guys feel about 
anything we just talked about. Are you mad that Byleth is in Smash? Are you upset that your your potentially favorite game of the year got pushed back? Do you care that Sony won't be at E3 and Horizon Zero Dawn on PC? Are you going to pick it up? Do you care? Let's talk about it in the comments. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode with the topic of streaming. Uh, you know, of course, we have Dave, Data Dave, on the episode today. So this is, I feel like, is a really good time to talk about uh, just, I guess, the overall shift of like where streaming is going right now. Uh, you have, um, you know, Ninja over this past year jumping over to Mixer. Um, of course, with other uh, big content creators either being on Mixer, I've read stories that people are jumping on YouTube, uh, and that people are like exclusively staying on Twitch. But um, I guess let's, I guess, can we like sort of like step back and I guess let's talk about your experience just streaming on the platform, like. Uh, uh-huh. Like, all right, how far I can I can hit about five different topics just on what you said. So it's like, <laughs> what do you want to hear? We can talk about experience. I can talk. I have personal experience. We talking contract and switching. I'm not switching, of course. Like, what, what you want first? Yeah, we, yeah, wherever you want to start, man. Uh, well, my experience on Twitch, just to be honest, um, I love Twitch. I really do. It's really the one of the best platforms for live streaming right now, compared to like Mixer, Caffeine, other uh, streaming platforms. In regards to growth. For me personally, not to, you know, throw out my stuff, it's been really hard to grow. Like, you know, I know ways that I can grow, but they wouldn't be the necessarily most enjoyable way. I just have to be a one-game streamer, but I'm not a one-game gamer guy. I play a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, even though I'm not really into shooters as much, like, I love RPGs, I love stories, strategy, slower games. But, like, in some of those games, especially strategy, those, those I don't think many people want to watch Civilization VI. On stream, like it's just too slow of a game, but I enjoy it. So it's like taking that L, saying this is my off-stream game. This stream I might grow from. Like, I kind of touched on that at the beginning, but like in it, you just kind of learn. Like you just gotta be that. I feel like once you grow on Twitch, you either have to be a pro at something, you have to be that entertaining. You know what I mean? You have to level up your content. You gotta vary it without being too varied to where you lose your audience. Like I, I could talk a whole hour or two easily. <laughs> about Twitch and growth in my experiences. I've only been on there, I say only, like it's not three and a half years plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. And almost daily. So like it's been an experience. It's definitely a learning experience and uh I learned a lot from it. Uh if you want to talk on and let me know if you're gonna guide me in any questions or directions. Okay. Cause I, I can I, I do this every day. Um if we want to talk about the future of where Twitch and other platforms are going, I don't foresee any platform taking over Twitch over the next couple years, but I do foresee a lot of growth on those platforms from taking streamers like Ninja Shroud. You know what I mean? Like, Mixer has came up, but it hasn't come up, en- come up enough to where it could be considered a huge thing, but it still is a significant thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Twitch has, I think, like, I think the statistics said, like, 76% of the viewers in market. That means Mixer probably has, I'm just guessing, 5 to 10. Uh, Mixer's issue is Mixer brings in streamers that brings in their audiences, but are they really bringing in new people that want to watch new games on Twitch? Twitch mm-hmm. is literally on Amazon Prime box talking about Twitch. You know what I mean? So that brings more yeah. people to check it out. The notoriety, the streams with celebrities, celebrity streaming, you know, on that. But at the same time, other platforms, uh, are you both familiar with Caffeine.tv? I yeah. am. Offset streams on caffeine.tv. You know what I mean? Uh, Bryson Tiller, if I'm not mistaken, streams on Mixer. So, you know what I mean? It's that we're doing what they can to bring it in. It's just, I think to, 
I, I'm gonna hop topic type around. If there's anything specific you want me to talk on, let me know. I'm gonna hop yeah, all the stuff. I can go all day. But back to the point, uh let's talk about Mixer. Mixer brings in big streamers to try to get them to bring the entire huge audiences over. How I think Mixer can grow, honestly, they need to start bringing those mid-sized streamers on there that have communities because those people watching them will start watching other streamers. And that's what Twitch has going on. Like, me, I don't watch one streamer. Like, you know, like, excuse myself, I watch a lot of people. It's a community. That's how mm-hmm. most viewers are. Most viewers are, most viewers may be watching one or two people, but they also follow three, four, five, six, twenty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they had a community. I don't think Mixer has that. Mixer might have a lot of viewers that are like, I watch Ninja. I watch we, Ninja. When you say that, like they they maybe watch one streamer or two, but they follow more people. Can you talk a little bit about about that? Like I'm not too much into like the the streaming subculture, so like I'm trying to gain more knowledge uh, in that. And so, what do you mean? Well, I can't speak for everybody, but like I'll say I'll use one viewer I know. Not saying names, but like one viewer mainly watches me because I always stream seven to twelve p.m. at night every day. Okay. So they're always watching. But when I'm not online and they want to watch Twitch, they're watching somebody else. But maybe they're at work. Maybe they're chilling. You know, maybe they occasionally watch that person. But if me and that other person are streaming at the same time, they might be watching me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I might be their main. I come to Twitch to mainly watch Dave. But if Dave is on, I'll watch this person or I'll watch that person. You get what okay. I'm saying? But most of my streaming time and watching is or most of my on Twitch time is watching them. If mm. I cancel the day, they may be watching the other person. So it's, I think a lot of people are like that. I kind of am, even though I try to watch as many people as I can. Like when I go to work and I'm watching Twitch, that same person's on my work schedule. So I watch them a lot. And right. I tend not to, like sometimes I might go watch somebody else new or check them out, but generally I'm watching them because of their content I enjoy. You get what I kind of follow me? Yeah, like, yeah. They know me as a viewer. They know me as day, day to day or, you know what I mean? So we already have that type of report. Mm-hmm. And that's why I primarily watch them. So your journey, it, it can you talk a little bit about like what got you started in it and what made you uh, flip that switch and go like, you know, oh, man, I really want to try streaming out. Uh, it's very, very funny how I got into it. So I was playing Overwatch with a friend of mine and his coworker, and they, he's like, hey, Dave, uh, my coworker streaming. I'm like streaming. What you, what's, what's that? And he's just like, it's like streaming on Twitch. I'm like, like, Twitch plays Pokemon? Like, that's all I knew about Twitch, genuinely. <laughs> like, I was just like, I watched Twitch plays Pokemon because I heard about these memes. Like, what are these people doing? What's Twitch? So, um, within that, I was like, dang. Well, he was explaining to me at Twitch, you can stream with viewers, and they watch you, and it's a lot of fun. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I wish I could stream. He's like, yeah, you can stream. Just, you know, have a microphone and have a webcam. So, me, I had, like, a pretty busted laptop. It was, like, literally coming apart. I could only play, like, indie games and maybe Overwatch on the lowest quality, but I bought me, like, a little $40 microphone. I used the webcam on my local laptop computer, and I streamed what I could stream, which was Overwatch. I streamed Undertale. You know what I mean? I just, like, you know, like, that's the cheapest game of a student. I was a TA at the time. Told me he was just, like, you know, like, that game's cool. I was like, all right, I'll try it. So Undertale, you know, it has own niche communities. So I was lucky I picked that randomly. Such a good game. It, it is a good game. People are always hyped to do it, and, like, I had one viewer, and like I was like, I don't really know about this game. Like I'm kind of lost in it. He started guiding me through it, and we started talking about like anime and gaming. And I'm just like, yo, this is kind of dope. So I kept streaming Undertale to completion, and like, and through that, I think I got like my first eight followers, and like we was all chatting, and like I was like, yo, Twitch is fun. Like I, I think I'm gonna keep doing it. So I saw this challenge, this everyday streaming challenge, where a dude said he streamed two hours a day every day, and he wrote down his experience, and I read the whole thing. It was like a Reddit post. I don't think it's there anymore. I actually ironically contacted the guy after I got partnered on Twitch. It was like, 
Yo, like, <laughs> if I didn't read your post, I would not have tried this. That's but, awesome. But, um, long story short, I was like, I'm gonna take an everyday streamer challenge. So, I did that. I streamed two hours a day. I wasn't getting the kind of growth I wanted and interaction. Because, mm. you know, we switch games, you got less viewers. So, I was like, okay, how do you grow on Twitch? So, I started, like, reading, watching YouTube videos, reading on Reddit, single it. And for me, it was hours time. So, me, I'm probably, I'm crazy when I'm interested in something. Like, I will put in buku amount of hours of time. So, I was crazy enough to say, I'm taking the everyday streaming ta- challenge, and I'm going eight hours a day. I do not recommend it. Oh, shit. But I really don't. <laughs> but I streamed, like, 380 days plus. Not every stream was an eight-hour stream. I mean, I, I have, like, I have, was a PhD student. I had work. You know what I mean? I had a lot, but I did those eight hours a day. Right. And, you know, I got partnered in, what, five to six months, my first six months of streaming. I had a, a huge amount of growth. Like, I found things that work for me. Right. And that's just my Twitch journey. And I've just been doing every day that I can. Now, granted, now recently and things like days off, life comes up, work, I'm sick. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. generally, I have not taken a huge amount of off time from it. Now, I don't recommend that for anybody, but, like, you know, that was just what, at the time, I was like, that's the kind of work I want to put in because I find this fun. Right, right. Huh. So you mentioned that you found a rhythm that kind of worked for you. What what did that end up being? So, like, it's it can it can become, and, it, you know, if you ever want to talk about, like, Twitch stuff and growth, I can share my input, but it's not, like, it doesn't work for everybody. That's just, it's consecration. Right. But for me, it was just playing more niche games I was interested in. Like, I've never really been interested I'll play them with friends, but I really don't. Like, Call of Duty, Apex, etc. Like, me, I was like, I like Pokemon. And that's just kind of what blew my channel. I like Monster Hunter. Like, you know, stuff that where it's big enough to be known, but not many people stream or play it as heavily mm. as I was willing to do because I just enjoy it. You know what I mean? And just right. luckily, my niche resonated with a lot of people. So that means, like, that niche game that I played, you know, people check me out. But luckily, I could say, you know, I'm not trying to humble brag or whatever. But, um, like, I guess the people that did find me be like, hey, you like this guy, I'm going to keep coming back. And then just more and more people kept coming back to my streams. And, like, that one viewer, like, oh, we just averaged 10, oh, we averaged 15, just started to get yeah. higher and higher because they were like, oh, we like Dave, he's kind of cool, you know? So yeah. That, that's just kinda, it just kind of built organically over time. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, me, I'm having any stream I do, I can say, like, yeah, you do it every day, three and a half years, does it get boring? I'm like, no, like, I'll I be having fun every time. So it just kind of how it happened. And I feel like that is, is something that I find fascinating about streamers and, and the culture surrounding them. So it's like, they, people, viewers find personalities engaging. They find them appealing. They want to continually re-engage with, with those people. Um, and it seems like what you, what you just mentioned too about, you know, people saying, oh, hey, Dave's cool. Like, I want to kind of hang around that guy. He's, he's, He's having a good time. He's having a good time. Therefore, I'm having a good time. Like that, it seems like you, and, and Dave, you're, you know, this is the first time I'm meeting you. You're, seem like an, you seem like an awesome guy, like great individual. Um, and so like I totally see why people are attracted to that and want to like watch that continually. I think of other streamers, like a lot of more famous streamers, and it seems like there's a negative connotation there. Like of, you know, maybe there's, you know, a lot of yelling and a lot of loudness and a lot of like, there's a lot of stereotypes around streamers, I feel like. Do you feel like you break any of those stereotypes? I feel like I really do. Granted, like, I guess. All right. So for me, because I follow so many streamers, I can name any other streamers that are, you know, not me per se, but bring a similar vibe, 
different kinds of uniques. But I feel like if we're talking stereotypical streamer, I mean, I don't know what topics we kind of gonna come touch or go on, but you know, yeah, you don't have to say any names, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. No, I mean, no, I, mean, I ain't saying names or nothing like that. Not names, but I'm just saying you would think of black male streamer, like, oh, he might like 2K, he might like, you know, if we're talking stereotypes, you know, he might like 2K, Call of Duty stuff. I don't play sports games. I don't play shooters. Like, people be thinking, like, it was funny. Some people would be like, man, you probably know, like, Dragon Ball Z. I'm like, I will name 20 anime none of y'all heard that I can talk, <laughs> that I can quote. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and just the thing about me is that, like, I, I can speak anime, like, for days. Like, you know, I, I used to have an anime planet list and all that jazz. You know what I mean? But it's just, I feel like I do break a lot of stereotypes because I know stuff that people expect, like, or just, like, people were just so, my chat was so shocked when I started talking about K-pop artists and j-rock and baby metal you know what i mean but like you just wouldn't expect that if you met me and had a conversation that wasn't gaming or wasn't anime but like i feel like that i break that stereotype and there's a lot of people that do that too but i think that's one of the things a lot of people can vibe with yeah definitely and and honestly that's something that i really love we we love bringing on people on the show who you know are they have a voice that is underrepresented you know, in the, in the media, just in general. Um, and so we love having, you know, obviously Chris and I are, are both black men. Uh, so we, we understand some of that as well. Um, so we really do appreciate, um, just any time that, you know, someone like ourselves or someone like you, like, or anybody that we've had on, on this show so far, you know, can really lend their, their, their voice to this medium. Cause it's, it's one that we all love, you know, um, it could always use more diversity. Yeah. All right. So, um, I I have a question. So, um, what do you? How do you feel like for someone like a company like Mixer, Caffeine? In your opinion, what would be the way for them to jump up and like get more of the market share? Um, honestly, they have to find a way to one. They have to get people to want to watch it. Like people. People that aren't gamers know Twitch. Most gamers don't know Caffeine.tv. Most gamers are starting to learn Mixer. You know what I mean? So, like, they mm-hmm. may check it out. But at the end of the day, they need to get, co- like, known commonly by people that are outside of it and are inside of it. So, first, of course, the gamers. Um, for Mixer, you need to make it more appealing for the stream. Like, I've watched some streams on there. I'm still confused about the layout and UI. Twitch has done a great job about doing that. But for Mark, you just got to make it more appealing to stream more and easy. Caffeine, if you watch these streams on Caffeine, I'm still confused at how the chat works, honestly. So, like, you know what I mean? It's just, they have to make it appealing to get people to do there. I honestly think the biggest move they could do, and that's what they're kind of doing, is that they're paying people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people stream on Twitch for hours on end, and they just don't make that much. Shoot, it's, it's, it's much, I, I hate to sound like a brag, but it's much, like, viewing and following I've had on Twitch. You know, it's not as high as it used to be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, with as much as I made, it still wasn't enough to, like, live off of or be full-time, you know? And, like, I've been on that daily. But if they could promise me a crazy amount a year, like, that's tempting to take. Because, you know, I mean, I'm making money and I'm doing what I enjoy. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just I think they have to be able to not only keep bringing in the ninjas, the shrouds, et cetera, but you got to bring those people middle and, like, lower in following to, like, keep them good, let them be paid, and help promote them to uh to grow like i've seen plenty of people on twitch that are most talented people i know and they they're not partnered they don't have any viewers etc i'm like this is unique like this is entertaining for me why aren't you big but like twitch isn't typically going to 
boost them up. They're going to be like, hey, you know, we got all just these big names. Like, hey, Pokemon's playing League of Legends today. I'm like, I know Pokemon's playing League of Legends. Like, she's the biggest joint. So why are you – I understand why you promote her as an entertainer, how big she is in the clout. But why can't we bring up somebody from 10, 20, 50 viewers and see if we market them, would they become 100 viewers, 200 viewers? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And they made pushes for that. That's the ambassador program. You know, it's worked for some. Yeah, you know, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, that's promoting them, but, like, you need to do more of that. Like, I Twitch Weekly, I don't need to be seeing Shroud Ninja Pokemon. I know them. Show me something mm-hmm. I haven't seen. But that's what mm-hmm. the ambassador program's doing, partly. So, but I want more of it on a bigger scale. Yeah, it'll be nice to see, because I feel like, with my experience just watching streams, I've always enjoyed um, people that... You know, either starting out or like just have a thing going, and I feel like they more of their heart is into it. Mm-hmm. Like they, uh, you know, they're they're more you know engaged with the chat or like there's just I don't know. It feels like they're more themselves than trying to you know live up to a persona. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But so, I don't know. It's it's a lot that goes into it. But you go ahead. Yeah. So. Um, Something that we, you know, we, we've been doing, uh, for 2020 is like, we like, you know, uh, talk about what we want to see, I guess, not only this, I guess this year, but just like what we want to see in the next decade for certain topics. But, uh, I want to ask you anything that you want to see, like anything you want to see how like streaming grows or like, what do you, what do you want to see in like just the whole community or just the, the aspect of streaming? Ooh, ah, no, I think on the spot, um, I just want more growth for everybody. Like, you know, it, it sounds so generic, but it's like there needs to be better ways for people to people that are only streamers or mainly primarily streamers to grow. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know the exact statistic of this, but some are brought it up to me. I was a streamer like back in the Justin TV days and uh, early Twitch days. Everybody on platform averaged about 70 some viewers. You know what I mean? Granted, mm-hmm. there were less people. I think they said something like everybody on Twitch on average as a normal streamer can average 20. Like, why isn't that number higher? We got more viewing, we got more people watching it. Twitch is more popular as it's ever been. So how is the average lower? You know what I mean? It's like, is that the quality? Is the viewership? I don't know. It's like, it's probably all of that. But I don't know. I just want to see people come up. I'm trying to come up. I'm trying to see everybody come up and grow. So I'm just one of those people. Like, I don't know. So that's what I like <laughs> to see. Just everybody being successful, having fun. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited, uh, you know, for, you know, like once again, having you on and like, you know, you bringing in this insight and just like, you know, something that I wanted to do 2020 was to, uh, just expand out, network more, talk to people, connect with people. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's just all about like just reaching out, like how, like how I reached out to you to get you on and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully like, you know, me reaching out, you know, now we have, you know, the should I play that, uh, fans to now be exposed to you. They're still watching your stuff, you know, your people t- tune into this episode. They're like, oh, okay, should I play that? That's a cool show. Um, it's all about like just, you know, connecting with people. And I think that's why streaming is so popular is that you're connecting with that person that's playing a game or just, right. you know, doing whatever they're doing. So, um, I guess this is a, a good, uh, unless Rod, do you have any other questions or any topics you want to bring up? No, I think you pretty much nailed them all. Yeah. Dave, okay. uh, thanks again for sure. Thanks for the invite. It was cool to do. Yeah, man. Um, you know, invites always open. If you ever have like a pressing topic you want to, you know, jump on and talk about, you're, you're always welcome. Uh, once again, you guys can catch Data Dave on Twitch at Data Dave is on the screen. Uh, 
Anything you want to shout out? Um, Rolling red carpet. What you got? I don't know. I want to <laughs> check out not only me, but everybody here. I mean, they listen to you, but you know, check out all the, everybody's content. Okay. Um, also want to shout out that you did just uh, release a shirt. So check out his shirt. Oh, yeah. Them joints is fire. Them joints is fire. Yeah. Check them out. Nice, nice. So, Rod, what you got for us, man? Uh, yeah. First thing, definitely Mia Copa on my part. It is no, Nomada Studio. That is the developer for Gris. That was bugging me the entire episode that I <laughs> messed it up so bad. Um, uh, but it is Nomada Studio. They definitely deserve to be shouted out because again, that game is great. Um, and secondly, Thanks again to Dave. Dave, he is awesome. Definitely an open invite anytime he would like, for sure. Um, and if you want to support the show, all you have to do, just leave us a comment on the iTunes page. Rating, anything helps. Um, you know, just expand the community, like uh, Chris said. And thanks for listening. All right. So with that, we're going to sign out for the week. That has been episode 48. Guys, enjoy your week play more video games, drink more water, enjoy life, and just connect with people, just like what we said. Have fun. Peace out. We'll catch you next time.